1: It's the rest stop. Brad Restituto. That's out of the pocket. Fire on the right
0: side. Caught by Diggs. Staying oh up. my God. Oh my God. I need no game. Touchdown. Are you kidding me? <laughs> it's a Minneapolis miracle. I got three words for you. You like that? Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Welcome to the Rest Stop Tuesday, December 15th, 2020. We come to you every Tuesday and Thursday, live, 9 o'clock Pacific time. Myself, Spencer the Wiz, out here in Las Vegas. You can follow myself on Twitter, at Brad the Believer. Spencer on Twitter, at Spencer the Wiz. And we broadcast also on Twitch under the Landry Football Conference call, or Landry Football, on www.twitch.tv slash Football. And if you missed any part of the show, you can check the podcast version out, Landry Football Conference Call on any of the podcasting platforms, Google, Apple, Audio Boom, any of your podcast listening preferences, search, like, subscribe. And then my personal YouTube page, we post live versions of the show. Back on the YouTube channel at BradTheBeliever. Got a good show for you today. Tons of football action from this past week, college and pro. The NBA is getting into full swing here as the preseason is underway. Had some games going on tonight, had some games over the weekend happen. Uh, A lot of news coming down and all the sports facets. As we're still in the middle of the uh, pandemic pretty much here, uh, we're near the end of 2020, but this uh, COVID pandemic that started in March Of 2020 is still lingering down towards the end of the year. We're hoping we get this vaccine up and rolling for 2021, and we can try to get life as we knew it beforehand kind of back to a little bit of normal. But it'll never be the same after everything that's gone on and happened. And uh, here, where I'm at in Las Vegas, along with Spencer, we've had uh, some some big COVID numbers coming in. It's really spreading uh, like wildfire, not only here but other parts of the United States. So we're all just trying to stay safe, stay healthy. Uh, do our part the best we can and and continue to move forward. But we're enjoying sports in the process as we're trying to have a little bit of normalcy And these sports leagues are doing their best to navigate uh, this landscape. It's been tougher uh, for, for others than some. The NFL's managing to get through, but college sports is losing games and games here locally. UNLV, UNLV basketball here in Las Vegas had to cancel some upcoming games as their head coach tested positive for COVID-19. So, um, you know, we're trying to navigate it the best we can and everyone's trying to do their part and, and we're just have to g- try to find a way to get through this together. So Spence, let's, let's start off with the primetime games over the weekend. Start off with last night's game. Uh, a lot of people on Twitter and around the sports media talking about probably the game of the year, possibly, or the Monday night game of the year. It was a good one. It was a very good one. The Raven ended up winning 47, 42. And if you were better in this game, uh, you were completely shocked and taken back one way or the other, either extremely elated or ready to jump, jump off the stratosphere as it was a three point game with no time remaining. The Browns got the kickoff and tried to do some lateraling uh, with their only play that they had. And they ended up getting into their own end zone and uh, running pretty much getting forced out of bounds, causing a safety and the Ravens not only cover the spread, but they cover it comfortably at that point as they win by five uh, so from a betting standpoint, a lot, a lot of action, but a lot of talk from both sides. The Ravens, um, a really important win for them in their playoff hopes uh, against a division opponent. Uh, the Browns still pretty comfortable with nine wins in their playoff situation, but it was back and forth, Spence, from, from pretty much start to finish. Uh, the Ravens looked like they may be in dire straits there on one of their last drives as Lamar Jackson headed to the locker room, what was reported to be a cramp situation. It seemed like he was in there for quite a little bit as trace McSorley came in, former Penn state quarterback had one drive. They had to punt and then was leading another drive. And then he kind of twisted a knee on a third down forced him out of the game. And then here comes Lamar Jackson running out of the locker room. Uh, I recall a game uh, growing up in Orlando as a magic fan, Shaq coming out of the tunnel, uh, late in the second half after an injury we've seen it before with some other guys over the years but Lamar Jackson running out of the locker room to compete on a fourth down play that was do or die for the Ravens uh he scrambles to his right uh looks like he's gonna maybe run for the first down as some defenders come up he finds uh, a wide open uh Hollywood Brown towards the seam Brown catches it and then gets into the end zone to give the the Ravens a lead and then the Browns come back down under a minute. They score a touchdown, and they—I believe they went up by. They, I think they tied the game at that point, Spence. But it left the Ravens a minute on the clock. They get down the field. Justin Tucker hits a 55-yard bomb to put the Brown put the Ravens up 45-42 with a little under three seconds remaining. Just a back and forth game, and let's give the Ravens credit. I know you're not the biggest Lamar Jackson uh, apologist or fan. He is the reigning MVP. He still has a lot to be desired with his arm. And and maybe a lot of that has to do with the receivers that he's throwing to. But he made enough plays. He showed that he can get into a shootout and win. Uh, A Browns defense, Spence, that that you kind of like. You think they have some playmakers with uh, Miles Garrett and some other guys. They do have some good players on that defensive end. But they could not stop Lamar Jackson, not in week one, not last night. And the Ravens ended up getting the win, 47-42, Spence.
1: Yeah, I think the Browns do have quite a bit of talent on their team. It's just the problem is this late game they just can't get any stops. I don't know what it is. It's kind of it's bizarre to look at when you can play so consistently throughout the game until, you know, the last few minutes of usually the fourth quarter is where they start really uh starting to show some cracks. But there's a few thoughts about this game. I mean, Lamar Jackson had his kind of game where he's running the football. I think he had two rushing touchdowns to go along with the uh, the one passing touchdown. And we know that's the key. If you can stop Lamar Jackson when it comes to running the football, you're probably going to win the, the game. Now, that is easier said than done with a guy as talented as him. Uh, but I think the Browns ultimately got caught trying to focus too much on his passing for quite literally no reason Because you're probably going to be able to force a few turnovers that way if you do. That's what the Titans did in the playoffs last year. Uh, But this game puts the Ravens in a good playoff position. They were supposed to be good last year and they weren't. And now this year they're not as good. So what expectations are we supposed to have now? Can they upset people? I'm not sure. I don't know. I don't know how you think about the, the Ravens when it comes to the playoffs now.
2: Uh, it's gonna be interesting uh Nick nice chimed in and said the safety killed him with two seconds left look I, I don't feel bad for any browns betters if you bet the browns in a division matchup shame on you okay the browns have been awful in division for a decade and until they prove that they're ready to win consistently in division if you bet them that's on you uh I, I know is a very uh, appealing number there were some injuries with the Ravens but in my opinion the Browns are, are still the Browns and it's either you find a good number with the Ravens if you had to buy a half a point or get it early in the week it's a Ravens or no-go there I know it's very tempting uh, to take the Browns there but uh, look and a lot of people in sports media Lewis Riddick on the broadcast last night just praising the Browns left and right Kevin Stefanski Baker Mayfield, this is a new Browns. Stop. Stop with the Browns' love. They lost the freaking game. You're still a loser. You still lost. And until the Browns do anything consistently, they're the Browns. And, look, we can have a Kevin Stefanski – nut rubbing party all night long. You can talk to me in the offseason. I've been saying it since the offseason, Spence. Everybody's in love with Kevin Stefanski. He's this hot new coach, Ivy League grad. He's got this, and such impressive resume. His dad, Ed Stefanski, is a GM of an NBA team. He's got the pedigree. I'm, I'm so tired of hearing this pedigree crap. Look, Stefanski may end up being a fantastic coach. I don't think he'll ever win a championship as the head coach of the Cleveland Browns ever. I don't care what they do, how they do it. It's not going to happen. He's going to have to gut that entire franchise, that entire team, and start from scratch. And that's going to take a decade in itself to put together a team that's going to compete for a Super Bowl. Look, the Browns made... Look, they, their most impressive win in the entire year was last week against the Titans. That's their their shining win on the resume. Okay? They won 10-7, to 7 against was it against the Texans the two or three win Texans a couple weeks ago they're just not there they don't have the infrastructure from the player personnel standpoint to do anything besides make the playoffs and possibly win one game one they'll win one game if they're lucky they may not win any and that's it they're not going to compete for a Super Bowl with this roster I don't care what they do I don't care who their coach is uh it's not going to happen Baker looked great they've had some moments they they've had a great identity running the football it's not going to win them uh, a Super Bowl, it's not going to get them to a Super Bowl. They're not going to beat a Buffalo. They're not going to beat a Kansas City. It's not going to happen. Uh, and if I'm wrong, I will eat my words 100%, but I'm telling you there's no chance it's going to happen. And Kevin Stefanski is climbing up people's ladders of Coach of the Year. And like I said, he's been getting all this love and praise. That's fine. He, w- he was in the Minnesota Vikings organization for well over a decade, and they didn't do anything, okay? The Vikings are one of two teams, one of only two teams. In the last 40 years to never represent their conference, the NFC conference in a Super Bowl, the Vikings and the Lions. That's it. Everybody else from the NFC has been to a Super Bowl in the last 40 years. So I don't want to hear how great Kevin Stefanski is, and he's the next coming of Bill Belichick. If he was that great, if he's the greatest thing ever, why didn't the Vikings get rid of Mike Zimmer and say, we're going to keep Stefanski in house? He's been a part of this organization for 20 years. Well, I'll give you a short answer to that, because when he was interviewing for the Browns job, and the Vikings had their biggest game of the season last year, an uh, NFC divisional uh, showdown against the 49ers they managed to have I believe a total of four first downs the entire game great job great game plan Kevin Stefanski in the biggest game of the year okay so Kurt Cousins as he's lighting up statistically the NFL they couldn't manage five first downs against a very good Niners team that ended up representing the NFC in the Super Bowl but can we stop with Steven, Kevin Stefanski love in the Browns they lost the game last night there's no moral victories in football. Okay, you want to throw a party for the teams to get knocked out in the divisional round? I mean, everybody was talking how great Kirk Cousins was winning his first playoff game last year. They hit the showers the next week. Okay, the Minneapolis Miracle, the greatest play in Vikings history. They lost the next week. It does not matter. I don't know why everybody thinks these moral victories in these one playoff games matter. If you don't at least get to a Super Bowl, it does not matter. Okay, I'm sorry. Now, even if you lose the Super Bowl, I think there's something to be said about making it to the game and giving your team a one-game chance to win a title. So there's something to be said for that. McVay has done it with the Rams as a young coach, Shanahan last year with the 49ers. I give them tons of credit. They made it to a Super Bowl. But if you can't even get to the game, I don't want to hear your chatter. I don't want to hear anything about it because you've done nothing as far as I'm concerned. And the Browns have done nothing. They've won nine games. And Baker Mayfield even said it. We won nine games. That wasn't our goal this year. And he's right. And they're all right, and and Stefanski will probably tell you the same thing. We've done nothing as a nine-win football team, and winning one playoff game is going to be nothing either. So we'll see. Look, the Browns have an opportunity to be competitive, but they haven't. They're not even in a position to win their division. Talk to me when you at least win your division. They have. When's the last time the Browns have won the AFC South or what are they, the AFC North? Whatever they are, they they haven't won their division in probably three decades. Probably once since then, but it's probably been that long. It's been the Ravens and Steelers division for a long time. So you can't even win your own division. All right. So look, and if you're a Browns fan, you haven't had a lot to be excited about for many, many years since Bernie Kozar was the quarterback. So if you want to get excited and, you know, pat your team on the back for a moral victory, that's fine. Uh, you know, if I was a Browns fan, I might feel the same way, but you know, I'm tired of being a, a loser. I- I've disowned the Vikings. I'm on the Bills bandwagon. The Bills haven't won anything and ever, but I believe that they're as close as anybody, and so that moves into the next primetime game, Spence, over the weekend. That was Sunday night, a big showdown, Buffalo Bills and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Steelers, only one loss in the season coming into that game. Uh, The Bills did not look good for the first half offensively. I was highly questioning Brian Dable, the offensive coordinator for the Bills, who has been getting a ton of love across the nation as the next hot head coaching candidate, uh, this great offensive mind. Their offense was awful in the first half. And if it weren't for a pick six, Ben Roethlisberger throwing it uh, to the nickel cornerback Johnson, and he took it back for a touchdown before the end of the first half. That game could have been quite different, uh, but it gave the Bills the momentum. They came out with their first drive of the second half, drove down the field. They got Stefan Diggs involved, and they scored a touchdown. And, and from there, the Bills built a nice lead. Uh, the Steelers made it a game late, but the Bills hung on. And uh, that was a huge win for Buffalo. One of their first primetime games in quite some time and a big win for them. And they're looking and feeling very confident uh, as they continue to play the season. Josh Allen probably had his best game of the season the week before uh, Sunday night against the San Francisco 49ers, not quite as good against the Steelers and Spence. You really like the Steelers defense, but once he got going with Diggs a little bit there in the second half, uh, they didn't run the ball as much as I would have liked to seen, but when they did, they were pretty effective. I liked some of their counter schemes in the run game. It really kind of kept the defense at bay the way they were running the football and they did it pretty well there in the fourth quarter, but a very nice win for the bills. And, and finally some people are starting to talk about the bills have an opportunity to make some noise in the AFC playoffs once that starts up.
1: Yeah, I, I think the highlight point of this game for sure would be the fourth quarter, more specifically probably the last six minutes of the game. It was methodical from the Bills. They, The way they were able to run the ball, the play action, and that's the thing with Josh Allen, we talked about is his ability to use his legs and that he's not afraid to, but he's getting better at making decisions on whether he should run or he should not run. And for the Steelers, <laughs> we've talked about how their offense has had a little bit of a struggle this year. They've played a lot of bad teams. those bad teams are how they have had a lot of victories this year and now they're starting to play they lost to the Redskins who have the best secondary in the league okay they're gaining a little momentum so they're not as bad as the record might say it is but then you play the bills and this was kind of their chance to show we can play offensively against some of the bigger teams and they were not able to do that Ben Roethlisberger had the pick six we know he has interception problems but that's been going on for quite some time now at least the last three years he's I think three years ago or two years ago, he led the league in interceptions. Last year, he had a bunch of injuries. And now they've lost the first seed, a team that looks kind of not untouchable, but uh, they looked very strong or suddenly looking a little shaky. And even though they only have lost two games, they're going to have to start playing some big teams. And now that they're most likely going to have to play a game in the first round, I still think they're okay because they, they're going to have to play a team like the Browns or. The Ravens will be a little bit closer, but if they had to play the Browns, I have no doubt that they'll beat them. They just own them, and I don't think this is the year that Baker Mayfield and Stefanski, like you were talking about, are going to step up and suddenly make some noise in the playoffs, maybe a year down the road, because Baker Mayfield has had an improved season. He has gotten over that little slump that he had last year. But uh, for the Bills, I like them. They can match up against anybody. We, We talked about that Chiefs matchup before, but that was a weird weather conditional game what's going to happen when they play each other face up because with even feeling even field no rain if that's the case i'm sure it would be because uh, i'd be played in kansas city would hope so uh, the advantages might go to the bills because if they're able to run the game at the end and keep the ball away from pat mahomes i know i'm talking way ahead of myself they have to win the playoffs game before they would play the chiefs but that's a potential matchup that could get them into the super bowl and i think it's realistic for them to do so
2: I do too, Spence. And look, I think the Bills learned from last year. They, they had a playoff game against the Houston Texans in round one on the road where they had a great chance to win that game, Spence. Uh, Josh Allen made a few really nice throws in that game. They were up for most of that game. Deshaun Watson made some spectacular plays to win Houston that game. But that was a game that the Bills gave away. And I think they maybe have matured from that. There certainly seemed to be a better team than they were last year. And their defense is starting to play. way that they've played in years past. Leslie Frazier is the defensive coordinator for the Buffalo Bills, uh, former Vikings coordinator and head coach, um, also player for the Chicago Bears, won a Super Bowl in the 85 Super Bowl as a player for the Bears. uh, Is a really solid defensive coordinator, and the Bills are starting to play better football on the defensive side of the ball, and that's what they've been known for the past couple years. But now offensively, Spence, with the addition of Stephon Diggs, their offense has taken a huge step. I mean, Diggs leads the league in receptions, uh, he is—he's uh, as sure-handed a receiver as you're gonna find. Look, I know firsthand, being a Vikings fan my whole life, and him being drafted by the team, and and being a huge part uh, of that receiving core for many years. The guy is as solid as they come. He doesn't drop many balls, uh, and he's just—he's he, a great route runner. He finds separation. He makes really big plays. And man, to have that kind of arm with Josh Allen, you've got Cole Beasley in the in the slot. You've got Gabriel, the rookie from UCF. You've got some playmakers there. You got a tight they got a tight end in Dawson Knox that they like. I, I'd like to see Josh Allen run the ball a little bit more because I know he's so dynamic when he gets out of the pocket. But I don't think you're getting too ahead of yourself, Spence, because I think the Bills learned from their playoff loss last year. I don't think they let the same thing happen this year. And I think that if there's an opportunity for it to line up, to have the Chiefs and Bills in the AFC Championship game, I think it'll be a great game it'll be a great matchup. And, um, we'll see what happens. Look the the Steelers, they don't have an easy road here. The last three games, they do have kind of a layup here next week against Cincinnati, but then Indianapolis and Cleveland will finish up the season for the Steelers. And those aren't any guarantees. Uh, like I said about the Browns or what, I hope, I think I said the Browns as their last game. I, if I didn't, that's what I meant to say. Uh, we talked about the Browns a minute ago. I certainly did. Um, uh, but I, don't, you you mentioned it, Spence. Steelers usually own the Browns, but the Browns, look, they're feeling themselves right now. There's an opportunity for them in Week 17 to upset the Steelers. Uh, and, look, if if the Browns at 9 wins, uh, 9, 10, 11, 12, if they win out and the Steelers lose out, there's an opportunity for them to still win that division. It's very unlikely. But, look, they're they're going to want to win that game against the Steelers. So some, some great primetime action, Spence, this past weekend. Probably – uh, if you the two of the, the strongest games back to back in primetime Sunday night into Monday night, I know that that first half wasn't super exciting from Pittsburgh and, and, and Buffalo, but it certainly ended well. And if you're a Steelers fan, look, uh, I know a lot of people are getting on that train now, Spence, here in the last couple of weeks that the Steelers have struggled. But I mean, you got to admit, I've been saying it for as long as anybody that you can think of for at least for the whole whole year. That the Steelers are fraudulent. I, I go against them every week. So this isn't anything that's surprising to me. It's it's what I've predicted the whole time, and it's only going to come completely true when the Steelers get bounced in their first playoff game. So uh look, I, I here I'll give it I'll actually give the Steelers a little bit of credit here, Spence. They played really tough, uh, and they fought really hard against Buffalo. I mean, they had some really unexcusable drops early in that game from the receiving core. Their defense played really tough and it seemed like they had Buffalo rattled in that first half. I mean, they were dominating that Buffalo offense, which was surprising to me. Uh, but Ben Roethlisberger, if you can get to him, he I don't know who would win in a race at this point in their career, him or Phillip Rivers, but uh, they they move around about the same. Now, Ben's a little bit stronger and he can make some throws in the pocket, but uh, he does not move around well. So if you can get to him and hit him, he's he's at a, a point in his career where he's much more fragile than he used to be. So without him, the Steelers have nothing. Because if you put Mason Rudolph in the game, you might as well uh, give the, the standing eight count to the Steelers because they're done. So it's going No, be... I totally
1: agree with you there. Yeah. <laughs> Mason Rudolph is terrible. And just, yeah, I mean, my general feeling about the Steelers, just to talk about it for a quick second, is yeah. I, I have been on them highly throughout the season. I, I doesn't feel like they're a Super Bowl team. That's probably their biggest kind of weakness to talk about so far is, they just don't like the 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 Bills look like a team that you could see in the Super Bowl. It's just the Steelers can they play consistently offensively for four playoff games? I just I don't see it. They have I think they've relied a lot on Johnson, the receiver. I think I think he might be a rookie. Yeah. He has no hands. He was benched in that game eventually. But other than that, Juju Smith-Schuster, but he seems to only be popping up in spots. Like I don't know if he can be the number one receiver. So they they have a lot of they problems to figure out in
0: there.
2: You've got some talent at receiver.
1: Yeah, they have a lot of problems, but not a lot of time to figure it out because we're coming in at the end of the season. It seems like all of their problems are really coming up here in the last four weeks, and that's not one you want to take with you going into the playoffs.
2: No, and they've, they've got quite a bit of injuries, too, that they've got to navigate through here towards the end. And look, anybody listening, uh, and Brian Bravo, I'll make, the, I'll make this bet with you now. If the, if the Steelers make it to the Super Bowl, Brian Bravo will, will, will be hosting this show. He will be the lead host of this show uh, for the the, the the entire week after the Super Bowl if his Pittsburgh Steelers make it. All they got to do is make it to the Super Bowl. Him and Al Baston, they can have a, a tequila super party on the rest stop and they can just go wild, go ham, if their Steelers make it to the Super Bowl, which I feel very confident that will not happen. So I feel that that's a great bet on my part. Uh, Spence, let's move into some college football because there was some crazy action This past weekend in college football and more specifically, the Florida Gators who are really were fighting for an opportunity to be in the college football playoff against, I believe, a two win LSU team. Uh, LSU was a 23 point underdog in this game, almost nine to one on the money line. And that game came down uh, to the end and a crazy thing happened at the end that pretty much cost the Gators the game. Spence, if we can, let's go to it. And show the listeners out there what we're talking about. In the flat, can Cole Taylor get there? No, nowhere near the line to make. Try to go up
1: and over, and could not. Let's see if I can skip ahead here. Marco Wilson and he's be because if you saw that, he uh straight up just punted his uh, on cleat. On here it here
2: it is. You shoot. can just let and it a play, Spence.
1: All right. <laughs> don't necessarily need to get <laughs> Well, this down, this is going into the end, end of the game, court. so I guess. Curry fighting uh, for well what they ended up doing it did, they didn't have a great angle of it but as you guys saw he <laughs> apparently he tossed it 20 yards down the field and I guess I'll play it out in a mute while we talk about it but uh the LSU obviously got in field goal range at the end of the game
2: yeah they kicked a bomb field goal I believe 56 57 yards something like that you, you can let it play yeah. It, yeah, there it it is. was a hell of an impressive kick by a college kicker I mean it, it didn't really show it there but Uh, Yeah, what happened was Florida made a big third down stop in a tie football game. And after making the stop, one of their defensive players took the cleat of the opposing uh, team, the guy that got tackled, and they threw his cleat, you know, something like 10, 20 yards down the field. It drew an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty and gave LSU an opportunity to go ahead. I mean, one of the most boneheaded plays you'll ever see in any sport. Uh, much less so much writing on this game for the Florida Gators. I mean, what do you – if you're the head coach, you've got to be having steam coming out of your ears and your head for a a play like that from one of your players, absolutely giving the game away on an unsportsmanlike penalty. Spence, I mean, if you're a head coach there, what do you – how do you compose yourself?
1: I don't think there's any composure and I wonder if it's more to blame on him or the defensive coordinator, or maybe it's the team captain on defense. I don't think it's Marco Wilson. If it is, that would be the story of the year in sports and college sports, at least it's just something that you can't let happen. Like, I don't know what's going through your mind that you just punt someone's cleat down the field and you don't think there's any consequences about that. That's just a, it's a discipline thing. So I think it ultimately falls on the head coach that you have to talk to these guys and be like, mm. I don't know. But also, I mean, I get it from the head coaching position, because when do you have to sit down your players before a game and say, hey, probably not a good idea if you see someone's cleat to throw it down the field. But I guess you kind of just have to wrap it up in a more generalized thing and let you got to be able to control your emotions on the field. Yeah. But that's just one of those things that's so bizarre that you just don't it's not something that you think of in your game plan.
2: Spence, I think you hit it right on the head with something you said there. Uh, Of course, you're not going to have a conversation with guys. Hey, if you see a cleat on the field, uh, don't throw it. But you've got to set a culture at the very beginning of every year that we will not beat ourselves with stupid penalties. And if we do, there will be extreme consequences. And even if it's something as small as as a late hit, any unsportsmanlike personal foul penalties – You've, you've got to have in the culture right away that it will not – there will be zero tolerance for it. And if it happens, you'll be gone. You won't play, period. N- not. You don't get a second chance. I mean, that's the type of culture you have to instill. Spence, how can you explain to me that the New England Patriots are consistently one of the least penalized teams in the entire league – the one of the least turnover prone teams. They rarely fumble the football from a ball carrier standpoint. It almost never happens. So if that consistency can be laden with the New England Patriots in a football program, why can't that be universal? Because apparently people think that these are grown men and it's inherent that we don't have to, you know. I don't agree with that. I think you have to consistently drive into people's psyche a certain type of culture, what will and will not be tolerated, lay that out specifically for them. And if it does happen, someone will replace you, period.
1: Yeah, and you can also talk about with the Patriots, another thing is that they've let some of the best, not some of the best, but they've let some star players go like Chandler Jones. They traded them for basically nothing because he wasn't being a part of the team culture. So I do think that it's no matter what, you got to set the rules down. And if those rules aren't followed, you're gone, no matter how talented you are. And I just think that that's what instills a winning attitude. It's it's not always about the talent. We've seen some very talented team lose, like the Miami Heat in in year one. The Mavericks weren't nearly as talented, uh, but they did win that because I think they were more disciplined. I think they wanted it more. And when you have this loosey-goosey type of attitude on your team, stuff like this can happen.
2: Yeah, Spence, and look, this probably costs the Florida Gators an opportunity at the college football playoff because if if they were to win their uh, conference championship game upcoming here in the next week, they'd have a real opportunity to play for a playoff. Now there's zero chance. Even if they win uh, against Alabama, they're not going to the college football playoff with two losses into an LSU team that I think had two wins or three wins on the season. So uh, one of the most unfortunate uh, plays and, and boneheaded plays that you'll ever see in any sports game Uh, Spence, let's keep it with the Florida Gators athletic program. And a really unfortunate situation happened over the weekend in a college basketball game. Um, Keontae Johnson, star basketball player, I believe SEC player of the year for the Florida Gators, collapsed in a basketball game here over the weekend, fell uh, flat on his face during a timeout and was stretchered off the court and brought to the hospital and was reported that he's in critical but stable condition. Extremely scary situation and, and rumors around the internet saying that there was he had tested positive for COVID-19 uh, previously. And, and look, let's be careful when we go around on the internet talking about people testing positive. Just because you've had a positive test doesn't mean you're walking around being COVID-19 contagious. Okay, so we've got to separate that because people on the internet are recklessly saying – Oh, this guy died on an airplane right in front of me. He was—he had tested positive for COVID. We don't know when he tested positive for COVID. If it was four months ago, two months ago, even three weeks ago, there's a protocol where you're no longer contagious and you're allowed to be back on the public, of course, doing the same type of safety procedures. But let's be very careful when we hear people out there saying, oh, this person has, is positive for COVID. That doesn't mean that they're walking around positive for COVID if they've had a positive test, there's been tons and and millions of people that have tested COVID positive. So they're saying that it's possible there's complications. I don't know that we know that for any type of fact right now. Uh, This young man though, from what I read today, Spence, uh, he was able, he was conscious today and was able to have FaceTime with his teammates, which is great news, but such a scary situation. And, And look, we we've seen this before with college athletes. Um, collapsing in football and basketball, kind of out of nowhere. Uh, This is another situation. I mean, just the possession before, he was catching an alley-oop for a dunk. Spence, what are your thoughts on this story? Very scary story. And, of course, our thoughts and prayers with this young man and his family during uh, probably a very scary time for everybody.
1: No, it's very sad. And you're right, we have seen this before. I forget the kid's name, but he was having an incredible season. He was averaging like 30 points a game, and he died right on the court. And basically what I hope to see is that he's not on the court anytime soon because that's how, unfortunately, um, that star player ended up passing away at that time uh, back in, I think, 1990. Anyways, uh, when it comes to this, the, the most important thing to find out is if is, is this is COVID-related. Because if it is, got to shut down the season. I don't care what kind of money is involved. Because if one kid dies, I don't care if he's a star player or not. The only reason he's he would be... Dead is because of playing this season. And we've talked about this throughout the entire year and sacrificing kids' health. Now, if this is a pre existing condition and it just could have happened in time, that's part of pl- being an athlete. That's part of sacrificing yourself for the game that you love. You just got to be careful because we've seen so many cancellations happen every week. If you go on the score, you go on ESPN or something like that, and you look down the slate of games for college football and college basketball, canceled, 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 canceled. So we know, we have know the sacrifice that people are already making. And it's just sad to see head coaches try to make excuses for cancellations, saying that the team just didn't want to play. Any worry that a coach has that someone could get infected on their team and affect their health, should have absolutely every right and should not be criticized for one moment for canceling that game. Because this season means nothing anyways, even less than it did for the NBA season, because they ended up going to a bubble and it kind of was the resemblance of a season. This is nothing like that. In NCAA basketball, people are playing half their games, a quarter of their games. Some of them are playing all of them. I don't think any team has played all of their games. And it's just a major problem right now. and, And it worries me. Uh, there's nothing I can do about it. Obviously I can just comment on it and talk about it on the radio and try to give my voice and talk about it, but that's it. I'm just, we're just watching it unfold in front of our eyes and it bums me out.
2: Spence. And what is March Madness going to look like with all these cancellations? Will we have another canceled March Madness? Is it going to be in a bubble? I mean, what are your thoughts?
1: Uh, my dad seems to think that the bubble is the only way to make this work, but we're still forgetting these kids are at school. I mean, I imagine they still have tests and stuff. I mean, my semester just ended. So maybe theirs did too. and they can do a bubble. If there is going to be March madness, it has to be. And the thing is with the bubble, it's, it's a lot more because you're going to have how many teams, I mean, you're going to have to have a short March madness tournament. It's going to be, it's going to have to start out in the top 32 because where are all these kids going to be? And how big can a bubble be? They're going to run out of city because, Think about how many staff that comes with the team. Think about how many teams are in March Madness. All the refs, all the staff. It's just impossible to me. So I don't think we should have March Madness. I think the season's to stop right now. You can crown a conference champion, but what does a national championship even mean this season?
2: Wow, Spence, that's a strong take. I mean, two years without March Madness. I mean, the the millions and billions of dollars, the television contracts, the money lost uh, is really... It's indescribable. Uh, I don't know how you put it in, into even financial terms. Uh, if, if, if you were to shut down the season right now, I mean, uh, we, we've already seen businesses just drubbed families, homes lost because of this COVID-19 and the financial impact. Uh, it's hard to really put into words uh, the financial impact. And especially with college athletics, we've already seen programs. Uh, Stanford has shut down numerous programs all across the college sports landscape programs are being lost and dropped uh, due to this COVID-19. It's just insane. And uh, we'll see how it lines up here towards the end of the season. It's just really uh, an unfortunate situation and, and we'll be monitoring it every day. And that's all you can really do right now at this point in time is just monitor it one day at a time and just hoping that people are doing their best Uh, to stay as healthy as possible. Sometimes it's almost impossible, Spence. I mean, I I can speak here locally. It's just spreading like wildfire, man. And uh, I know some people are doing their best possible, and and you're still coming down with it. So hopefully, um, it's uh, you're gonna have to. I think I think you're right. I think what you said and Chris said here on the on the chat. The only way to pull off a March Madness is with the bubble. Uh, I don't think there's any other way to do it. I don't think you can have a traditional March Madness like before. And I I know financially, it's just going to be crippling uh, for college sports. So we'll monitor it one day at a time as we continue to move forward. Uh, Spence, like we said at the beginning of the show, the NBA is is ramping up. They're ready to start another season. No bubble this time. They're going to do it without a bubble, but very limited fans in the audience. My question to you, Spence, is uh, we saw Giannis sign his extension. We talked – uh, the last show about potential MVP candidates. Uh, once the LeBron era is over, who's going to be the first to capture a title? Is it going to be Giannis, Luca, uh, Dame, Lillard? Who's your money on? Once the LeBron James era is over, who's the next young stud or team that's going to have an opportunity to compete for a title? I know the outlier was a Toronto Raptors from a couple years ago. I know it's only preseason, but after tonight watching uh, a little bit of the Warriors, Steph Curry started off like a house of fire. I think the Warriors are going to have their name in the hat again before the season's out. I know for sure they would if Klay Thompson was 100%, but I really believe with that mixture of lineup that uh, the Warriors are going to make the playoffs. But, Spence, who's your pick uh, for one of these young superstars to have a chance to hoist the Larry O'Brien trophy once the LeBron era has seen its best days?
1: That's a tough question. Because we saw the league really transition from Michael Jordan to Kobe Bryant to LeBron James. I just don't see that out of anybody after that. We don't have the next LeBron James just yet. The closest person I would say is Luka Doncic. Because and we because the, the kind of defining trait of the guy who takes over the league are just these photo finishes. And we saw Luka Doncic have this crazy game-winning shot in a game they should have never have been in. And they kind of challenged the Clippers. But still, you still see he has a lot of troubles kind of living up to the moment even after that. He has a few bad games. And it's just, does LeBron James have bad games? Did Kobe Bryant have consistently bad games in the playoffs? Not yet, but it's only year two for him. I feel like I'm putting too high of an expectation, but we are talking about who is the next face of the league. You could say Giannis, he won MVP and defensive player of the year in one season, but we see what happens when he goes to the playoffs. He has no outside game just yet, not consistently enough. So when every team goes to the playoffs, he'll have his MVP performance throughout the season. But when it gets serious, when he starts playing the good teams and they force him to shoot outside, he hasn't been able to do so. And also the Bucks have a lot of issues on their roster that make that kind of an impossibility. Now, they should have made the finals last year and they didn't. And, I, and every single year, I keep saying, can Giannis step up in the playoffs when they need him the most when he hasn't? And then, okay, maybe you didn't want to talk about Steph Curry. We know he has won some finals, but they also have a bevy of issues. Clay Thompson obviously has had some very severe injuries. Can they do it without him or at a 50% Clay Thompson? That's a tall task. Can Kawhi Leonard play consistently enough until after LeBron James retires? Because he'll also be getting up in age. And is Kawhi Leonard as good as LeBron James, as good as Kobe Bryant? It looked like it in Toronto, but last season in the playoffs when they lost to the Nuggets, not so much. It, I think it's just going to be a ring around the rosy. And then a lot of people are putting those expectations on guys like Damian Lillard and Carl Anthony Towns. They're far away from making that even remotely possible. So, I Like I said, I think it's going to be kind of who just gets a lucky, who gets the hottest going to the playoffs, and that's just going to win the championship. It's going to be a new NBA, unless Zion Williamson truly is that guy. I don't believe so. I don't think he's nearly as good as everyone has said he is, uh, but he would probably be closest thing to a LeBron James that we'll have. I'll just have to see it this year, a full healthy season, if I'm going to convert over to that ideology as well.
2: Speaking of Zion Williamson, he played 33 minutes in his preseason debut last night uh, for the Hornets. The Hornets did get a win. And uh, let's talk a li- just briefly uh, some of the young guys. I know you're not the biggest Lonzo ball fan, but his jump shot looked quite improved mechanically as I watched last night. Uh, kind of got rid of that hitch, looked like he was kind of more squared up in his jump shot. So we'll see if it improves. I like Lonzo as a player much more than you do, Spence. I think his length. Uh, his athleticism, his court IQ. And if he can get a little bit more consistent on his jump shot, I think he can be a really solid NBA player. And I, I like this. I really love the teaming of Zion Williamson and Steven Adams. You want to talk about uh, one of the strongest front courts in the entire league with these two? Man, uh, it's going to be hard to get in the lane and hard to out rebound these two guys. Uh, I think understand Van Gundy I, I think this Hornets team has an opportunity to to try to make some noise in getting into the playoffs and look I, I, Zion he is just he's special Spence and, and he may be that guy he may be that guy
1: yeah that I'll wait to see I mean first of all he just looks awkward he he can't control his weight and that could just be a part of his genetics I'm not going to say it's not we know he's a freak of nature athletically he's as athletic as LeBron James if not more so that will always be his kind of claim to fame. Is he going to be able to shoot from the three consistently? I'm not talking about his first game against the Spurs where he hits four. He did, He wasn't able to do that afterwards, and I knew he wouldn't because his shot's awkward. So, But we've seen LeBron James as well develop his jump shot as his career has gone on. Uh, but when you talk about Lonzo, I'll just quickly say, we say this every single season, his shot looks a little better. We, we know he's an amazing defender. He's probably one of my top 15 favorite defenders in the NBA, and that's a valuable asset. But he's going to have to make a bigger step up when it comes to scoring. He was flat out terrible in the bubble. So until yes. I see until I see something out of him, potential is worth nothing in the NBA. That's why the Celtics, I think, have had a lot of struggles going into it. Oh, the Celtics have 15 first round picks. What potential isn't worth anything? And then they almost converted that asset to Anthony Davis, and they didn't. And we know Anthony Davis is that good. And we saw it happen when you have something that you know is good, you win championships.
2: Yeah. And and Spence, I did get a chance to watch a couple of LaMelo balls preseason games, and he was certainly exciting from a highlight standpoint with some of his great passing. Uh, He did, I believe, score in double digits last night. I saw him hit a corner three. Um, He rebounded the ball really well. Uh, He showed some good effort on defense. So I think this guy's got a really high ceiling. We'll, We'll see how that shapes up. But he's definitely got the size and he's he's certainly got the basketball IQ and the passing ability. Uh, maybe as good a passing ability as anybody we've seen here in the last decade or so, because he looks really fantastic as far as his his floor awareness spends.
1: Yeah, I have a few thoughts about Lamelo. I saw I saw one of his games, so I, I can't say. Uh, I, obviously, I'm not going to judge him off of one game. But what I did see from him is he's a much better rebounder than I gave him credit for. We knew he had the triple doubles. I was just unsure of how that would translate uh, when it comes to real NBA live action. He proved he could do that. His shooting, his scoring is going to be he's going to shoot probably in the 35 to 40% range. That's just my prediction. He passes up a lot of open shots. He does make flashy passes. He makes special passes that other guys can't make. He's going to have a lot of turnovers, though. He's probably going to be a guy who averages six to seven turnovers. I don't think he's going to win rookie of the year, but also the issue is I don't know who else is going to take that place. Anthony Edwards as the third scoring option, as a guy who's inefficient as it comes down to, it could be James Wiseman. Who's going to get a bunch of rebounds and points. He's probably, he's probably my favorite as of right now to win rookie of the year.
2: Could be, Spence. That's that's a really good call right there. So we'll kind of monitor that as we go. Is look, the NBA is looking like it's going to be another great year, Spence. If you like basketball at all, there's just so much great talent on the floor. Some great stories, of course, having Durant and Kyrie back uh, for the Nets. Kyrie spoke um, yesterday, finally, kind of spoke in circles. We'll, We'll maybe hit some of that on Thursday. Uh, but we'll see what the Brooklyn Nets do under first-year head coach Steve Nash. Uh, we know what they got. We like their talent. Me and you like their talent aside from Durant and, and Irving. We'll see how they all mix together. So it's going to be interesting. I'm excited for the NBA season to start up. I know you are as well. Uh, Spence, uh, we got about 15 minutes left here. Let, let's run through our picks uh, of this past week. Another great week for us. We've talked about it here. We've had a good month or two. I believe I went 11 and five against the spread, and, and Spence. I think uh, now that uh, I saw that that final in the Miami game that I was wrong about. I think you went uh, maybe nine and five, nine and six, something like that. So we'll we'll have to reevaluate that. I know it's a little different. Uh, we we were on opposite sides of the Ravens game. Uh, but let, let's let's start from the top here. We'll run them down here real quick. Uh, the Green Bay Packers, they, they ended up winning, not covering, beating the Detroit Lions by a touchdown. Matt Stafford fought hard in that game. Uh, Aaron Rodgers was too much. Stafford had to leave late in the game with an injury. Uh, but Green Bay did enough, and they won the game by a touchdown.
1: Yeah, it's just one of those games where close divisional, close to covering the spread, just didn't work out. Nothing too much to discuss here. The Green Bay Packers are better than the Lions, and that's how it ended up happening.
2: There you go. Tennessee Titans, Spence, in a game, divisional game against the Houston Texans. Uh, I was the, Jag- the
1: Jaguars, I think. I'm sorry,
2: the Jaguars. You're right, Spence. Uh, and I was a little reluctant to lay the big number as Jacksonville's played some co- close games. Uh, Tennessee, though, had over 200 yards rushing from Derrick Henry and a really impressive win. And they did what they were supposed to do. They won and they covered easily.
1: Yeah, I mean, it is a divisional opponent. So you always have that little bit of worry where you're like, oh, I don't know if it's going to happen. But the Titans were playing desperate. They they needed this game. And that's kind of my that's my thought going into it. I didn't like the hook. But I also thought that they this is a game that they're going to show that they're a much better team than the Jaguars division opponent or not. And they were able to do that.
2: Yeah, you're you're right on there, Spence. And, and this is a game. Uh, I don't know what I was thinking here. This was not a good pick by me, but nice job by you, Spence. Cowboys, they won very easily over the Bengals. The Bengals have nothing to play for at this point in the season. They're playing for draft position. No Joe Burrow, Brandon Allen, uh, not not a great starting quarterback here in the NFL. The Cowboys won pretty easily in this one, Spence.
1: Yeah, and I had just talked about it right last week. I said. Uh, The Cowboys would have their first performance where they all brought it together and it wouldn't mean anything. And of course it doesn't. Brandon Allen's the quarterback. So I know last week they played a pretty close game, but they were going to be able to run the football. Andy Dalton's just a decent quarterback and that's how it ended up. They they won probably more than I thought they would, but they were able to take care of the three and a half point spread. So I'm happy about that.
2: Spence the Cardinals went on the road we were on the right side here they took care of the Giants Daniel Jones was back in the lineup for the Giants but didn't look 100 percent and the Cardinals they weren't overly impressive they weren't world beaters in that game uh, but they did win and they covered fairly easily a uh, nice win for the Cardinals as they're back now in that final wild card position in the NFC getting a nice road win against the Giants
1: yeah this was a really weird line I don't know where it came from. I know the Giants were kind of riding momentum. Daniel Jones comes back, but he wasn't as healthy. He should have never played that game. I get it. I get the idea behind it. He is your starting quarterback, and you're going to try to play him if you can. Uh, but he he wasn't ready for that action. I don't know if you keep rolling with Colt McCoy. I don't think that's kind of the winning strategy, but it, sh- it probably should have been this week. The Cardinals are desperate to make the playoffs. So, And it was a culmination of a bunch of recency bias and stuff, too. So this was an easy one.
2: Yeah. Yeah. We both talked about that. We talked it out and made the right decision. Uh, the Giants, so they're playing for a division title They're They're hoping to win a division against a, a Washington football team that uh, has been on a winning track. And look, the Eagles had a nice win, hopefully trying to find new fire with their new starting quarterback. So we'll move on to the next round of games, Spence. And uh, the Houston Texans, That there's their matchup there. Uh, we were on opposite sides here. I, I was going to give Mitchell Trubisky one more chance. Uh, not only did he take advantage of that chance, I believe he had three touchdown passes in the first half. But The Bears uh, had their most impressive victory the entire season, getting a nice win at home against the Texans.
1: Yeah, now it's time to jump on the Trubisky train. He's the, he's the next coach. Uh, <laughs> they, they made the right decision trading up from all those years ago. No, the Texans, I, think, <laughs> are, I know you believe in a lot more than me. I think this is just one of those things where the Texans are an awful, awful team, an awful franchise. Yeah and they just got the better of them. The the Chicago defense is always going to be able to do stuff, and they were just able to have one of their best games of the season, and it helped Trubisky uh, a lot with that kind of defensive momentum.
2: There you have it. The Carolina Panthers, we were on the wrong side here, Spence. Those Denver Broncos, man, they're one of those teams this year we've talked about. It's just like you don't know what you're going to get week to week. They'll lose a game they should win, win a game they should lose, and this is one of those. They go on the road uh, west to east coast, and they they beat the Carolina Panthers, and they went out right.
1: Yeah, this is one of those things where Carolina's been competitive. It was a close game at the end. I think Carolina actually had a chance to win the football game. And I said this was the hardest game to call a week, and it definitely was. Even if I had taken the Broncos, I would have been sweating at the end. And the ball just didn't roll our way. And you just got to take one of those losses on the chest.
2: Yeah, it's hard with the Broncos, man. They're, they're almost a no-play every week because I just don't I don't know what side to go unless they're a massive underdog, unless they're a 10-point dog or more. Uh, if it's if it's a touchdown or less, I just gonna stay away from Denver because they're so tough to figure out week to week. I don't trust Drew Locke, but Vic Vic Vangio seems to be a good coach. Their defense plays decent at times. that's a big road victory for them. Next game, Spence, uh, Tampa Bay hold holded home field and they took care of the Vikings. Uh, they won and covered that game. They won by 12, but the Vikings left 10 points on the board, three missed field goals by their kicker, a missed extra point, an awful performance on special teams from the Vikings who dominated the first half of that game. Tom Brady was a little inaccurate, and then he found his groove when he threw a really long touchdown pass to Scottie Miller. And from there it was all uphill for Tampa Bay. Uh, the Vikings got over a hundred yards rushing from Dalvin cook, Kirk Cousins statistically had a good game. Adam Thielen got in the end zone, but not enough for the Vikings as uh Their playoff hopes start to dwindle as they lost this game and and Tampa Bay covered pretty easily.
1: Yeah, and it kind of did come down to, even after a good first half, I think the Buccaneers were really starting to feel that pressure of this big losing streak, kind of almost challenging not making the playoffs. Not not really, but still the thought would have happened if they would have lost this game, and I think that was on the back of their minds come out in the second half. Really an important win for them when it comes to just even coaching with Bruce Arians. They got it done. My money line pick was – it was looking okay for a while, but it just fell apart at the end.
2: Yeah, it fell apart there, Spence. Uh, look, I, I think the Vikings are going to lose next week against the Bears. I think it's a bad spot. Trubisky's got confidence. And that defensive line can't get any pressure. And uh, Trubisky's going to run around on them, I believe, next week. So we'll, we'll, we'll follow that one fairly closely. Next game, Spence, Chiefs, Dolphins. We talked about the Chiefs not being able to cover any games. Uh, I, I thought uh, – I was watching there at the end and I thought – that um Kansas City covered but you you were telling me a late field goal by the Dolphins and when I reread that score it looks like the Dolphins covered so we were right about that we were both on the right side there
1: yeah the Chiefs just can't find ways to cover football games and we were the beneficiary of it now it was pretty it was pretty lucky with the late field goal they honestly didn't even have to take it they could have gone for the touchdown but they didn't maybe they knew about the cover they knew about us and they threw us a bone
2: there you go and I, I don't know that I trust the Chiefs coming into this next game. Uh, the the latest line I saw, they're three and a half point favorites against the Saints. I don't expect Drew Brees to play, but man, I I'm not ready. That, that hook scares me because I just don't think the the Chiefs can cover a game. So we'll figure that one out in our pick segment on Thursday. Next round of game, Spence, uh, the Colts, and I'll let you run with this one a little bit. Uh, we I asked you if this is your pick of the week. Um, the Colts they cover the three and they cover pretty easily against your Las Vegas Raiders.
1: All right, I'll I'll go single screen here. I got a lot of thoughts about the Raiders game. And the first thing I want to talk about is the result of this game was the firing of Paul Gunther, which is nothing but another just embarrassing move by the Raiders. You draft Henry Ruggs, which is obviously the wrong decision. Cleveland Farrell was a horrible decision. So the list goes on and on. And everyone's everyone thought the season was like, this is Paul Gunther's fault. Well, let's look at a few things. I've made a little bit of a, a small presentation, nothing crazy, of course, but um, basically this is the diagram that I made here and I could probably get Brad on's opinion. The highlighted names you'll see here are, uh, I have I had two different color coding. The first one is guys who I think are not starting caliber players and that's for the starting defense. Cleveland Farrell's not a starting uh, defensive end. Jonathan Hankins is one of the off worst defensive tackles I've ever seen. Nicholas Morrow was... Theoretically a good decision in free agency, but he's proven now that he isn't a starting linebacker. Corey Littleton uh, – oh, well, Nicholas Morrow, excuse me, had one good game this season. Everyone was singing his praises. Even last season people were. He is just an awful player. I don't think he should even be on secondary. Corey Littleton just hasn't worked out. And Jonathan Abrams is one of the worst safeties in the in the NFL. And the highlighted names you see here are not guys who I don't think can be starters. I think they're guys who don't deserve roster spots on defenses in the NFL. Now, if you can go next here, oh, I think Brad, sorry, Brad, I could bring you on here. I don't no, know sorry, I was
2: gonna ask Spence, can you make that a little bigger so uh the the listeners can see there is there a way yeah. to move,
1: uh i I'll go full screen here so yeah. hopefully you guys can still hear us um so This is what I said. Paul Gunther is a great defensive coordinator, and everyone says, well, maybe it's because he was on the Raiders, just didn't work out. But let's look at this 2015 roster. This was the roster that Paul Gunther had when the Bengals were a playoff team. Like I said, the color-coded blue highlighted is guys who are above average. The Raiders have zero above average players on the defensive end. You can say Max Crosby. I'm not going to. He's an awful run defender. But Drape Kirk, this is within the season, not now, obviously. Iloka... Uh, Kirk Patrick, Geno Atkins, Carlos Dunlap, those were Pro Bowl caliber players. Uh, They had three guys uh, who were not starting players to me, but we know how good that team was. And that's just kind of the point that I'm trying to make here as we uh, wrap up this Raiders discussion in that Paul Gunther was not the issue. It's a cop-out and the Raiders just continually to make horrible moves. And I was going to make a list, but I'll just go over it quickly here. All the guys who I highlighted have to go uh, before the Raiders have a chance at the playoffs. And you can add to that list. Bring R. that
2: back up. Bring that, the guys that have to go, bring that back up full screen okay. so you can see it.
1: All right. I'll, uh, well, this this is just the defensive end, and I'll talk about the guys uh, offensively who I feel that way as well when it comes to the Raiders. Uh, the Raiders will not make the playoff as long as these guys are on the roster. And I'll full screen it here uh, so you guys can see. Uh, as long as these guys are, are starting on the team, there's no chance, uh, especially with the division that we play in now. Uh, but you can also add Derek Carr to that list. I think Josh Jacobs was obviously a horrible draft pick. He isn't just panning out now. He should never draft a running back in the first round. Uh, and I'm going to also add to this uh, Davis, the owner of the team. He just, he cares more about nostalgia than he does the football team. And that's just going to kill a franchise when you don't care about success. And uh, I'll stop now, but as long as, as your team, and you can talk about this with the Cowboys too, as long as your team cares more about money and the image than they do about winning, you're not going anywhere. And the losing, I don't care about. I watched the Grizzlies lose my entire childhood. They did make that conference finals. It was about the team culture. It was about the the direction of the team. And when I see team, when I see the team make a decision like this, it makes me want to quit being a Raiders fan because they obviously don't care ultimately about what this team looks like. And it just bums me out more than you can ever imagine. And I know my dad feels the same way.
2: Spence, what do you say to the fans that take the optimism and a win against the Saints and some other wins that feel like they've encapsulated some positive? And OK, they say, well, what can we carry over from the positive and what do we focus on on the draft? You seem to think Derek Carr's got to go. There's a lot of people that think he's had a good year this year.
1: He had th- what? He was terrible against the Falcons, he was bad against the Jets, and then he was god awful against the Colts. So, he has a string of good games and he has three games He has three games where he looks just like not a starting quarterback in the NFL, and that's just kind of the way he's been the past couple of years. I had some optimism and that was the, that was my fault for actually thinking that he was going to turn things around and look like his former MVP self, but he's proven once again that he is exactly who I thought he was. And then he's right back to performing the way he used to these past couple of years. The check down king, the guy gets interceptions, the guy who has no pocket awareness and fumbles the football. It's just the Raiders aren't going to be good for the next five years because they're going to they're going to roll with John Gruden and Mayock and they're going to continue to make really bad mistakes. Davis is going to keep forcing the team to make stupid moves like drafting Henry Ruggs. So hopefully after this iteration, the the Raiders can start over once again and have to watch them be bad for five years. And then hopefully a decade from now, when I probably have kids, they can watch the Raiders be a decent football team. I just don't expect anything from it as long as Davis owns the team.
2: There you go, Spencer the Wiz laying it out. His Raiders rant right there. And we'll talk a little bit more Raiders football on Thursday show. Spence, let's finish up our pick segment and reviewing these. Uh we'll go through them pretty quick here. The Jets, uh, you decided to get on the Jets train. I, I reluctantly laid the big number, and the Seahawks won 40 to 3. So uh I uh with the Jets clocked down, only three more games till my 0 16 ticket cashes. So I'm rooting for the Jets to keep losing.
1: Yeah, I, I just got burned. That's, that's my fault for taking the Jets. They, they look like they could score some points, but shame on me for thinking the Jets could play consistently offensively. Of course they can't, and they got blown out.
2: Uh, this next game I think was tough for both of us. Two teams that I don't think are very good. Uh, the Chargers got an impressive win. They they finally get in the win column. And Justin Herbert looked really good. He made some great throws, so give the Chargers credit there. Uh, the next game, me and Spence were on opposite sides. I thought that the Eagles could cover that number. Not only did they cover, they won. Jalen Hurts gets his first win as a starting quarterback. And the Eagles now think they can get back in the playoff discussion in the NFC East.
1: Yeah, and uh, Peterson saved his job because now it looks like all the blame can go on Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz is for sure gone now when he beat a team like the Saints, and Peterson will get a year with Jalen Hurts. We'll see how that works out.
2: Spence, uh, let's finish up the next uh, group of games here. And uh, the Washington football team, another big win. Alex Smith banged up, but they found a way to win, and they're playing hot. And Spence, man, I said it eight weeks ago. Do I look look like I know what I was talking about about a lot of these things now? I was probably the only person uh, in any media – about eight weeks ago, talking about the Washington football team where nobody else was, and now look at him.
1: Oh no, you're totally right, and I, I'm just glad Alex Smith got a chance. I, to, I just on did, the back on that. One. Yeah, there you go. I, I will. Uh, I will reciprocate that and say good job because. Uh, well, I thought not over Cowboys, yet. They haven't won the division yet. No, it's true, but they definitely should be favored, and they look like they can beat any team in the league right now with the momentum they have, and that's a pretty cool thing to see.
2: Yeah, we talked about the Bills. Great win for them against the Steelers. We'll see if they can finish strong in the AFC playoffs. And then we talked about that great Monday night football matchup last night between the Ravens and the Browns. So, look, uh, I want to thank Spencer the Wiz. Great rant by him today on The Waiters. We'll talk more about that on Thursday. If you missed any part of the show, make sure you download the podcast uh google podcast apple itunes audio boom search landry football conference called the Red stop will be underneath there give us a like subscribe and my youtube channel brad the believer give us a like there i want to thank al chris Wynn, brian bravo you guys have a great day we'll talk to you on thursday back here at nine o'clock pacific time it's the rest stop brad restituto
0: we'll see you tomorrow anatomy of an ad subconsciously trigger emotions through music perfect